Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Broke Bitch Anonymous. I was not going to record this episode yet because my power is out, um, and I'm currently sitting in the dark in my closet back in Atlanta, the same closet that I always record in, and this is actually going to be the last time probably that I'm ever sitting in this closet, never mind recording this podcast in this closet, because two days ago when I got back from New Jersey and Miami, I went down to my leasing office and I asked to renew my lease because it was ending. I had only signed like a five or six month lease thinking that since I was renewing for a year, my rent would be lower because initially when I moved in, they told me what the year rent would be, which was about like 2000 or 1900. But when they sent over the new lease contract, I stupid me, fucking idiot, didn't look it over, just thought, all right, should be good to go. I'll just wait till tomorrow to sign it. And then when I opened it the next day and looked it over, I saw that they wanted to charge me almost $2,700 a month for a year lease, which is fucking ridiculous, especially for Atlanta, especially for my apartment, which is nice, but it's not a $2,700 apartment, especially not on a year lease. So anyway, Pretty much I just discovered that I had to move out about a day and a half ago and I just made like a split second decision of, you know what, fuck it, I'm not going to sign another lease. I'm just going to figure it out and not sink more money into this apartment, get an Airbnb and then hopefully try and get a new spot. I mean, anyone who's ever been a dancer or an entrepreneur or whatever knows that sometimes getting your own apartment can be kind of hard especially if you can't prove your income because a lot of it you know isn't necessarily coming from one employer directly to your bank account so with this current apartment I had someone help me get it and I don't know who the fuck can help me get another apartment to be honest I'm not really that close with any rich men who are like dying to help me at this time So we're going to see, we're going to figure it out. The one person I could think of to ask, I did ask him and he said that he can't because he has a criminal history. (laughs) So that was fucking perfect. Um, So I really have no idea what I'm going to do and how I'm going to find a new crib. I don't have any family here in the US, so I don't even have anyone who I can like ask to be my guarantor um, that's related to me. But I have faith it's all going to work out. In about two hours, I have a guy coming to help me move uh, who's actually a professional mover But I met him at the strip club. He was, you know, a customer. And he had always said, like, if you ever need help moving, just hit me up. I got you. So even though I had ignored him for like a month because I haven't really been working that much, uh, I just hit him up in a panic and asked him if he could help me. And thankfully he said yes. And it's about to be really fucking awkward. So I just poured myself a glass of rosé that I'm sipping now in this closet as I record this. Because I still have some furniture I didn't sell, namely like my mattress, you know, like some bar stools, a coffee table, small things, but stuff that like I would like to keep and not just throw away because I mean, I did pay for it. I've only used it for like fucking five months at this point. And I don't want to have to buy all new stuff when I eventually do get a new apartment, which I hope to. So... Because I can't bring it to my Airbnb, because that would just be like weird, and I feel like the host would probably be mad at me for bringing like a bunch of furniture into his apartment. Um, I am bringing it to another friend's place who offered me his basement to store his stuff, who was another dude that I met at the club. So, what I'm about to do, and I'm not proud of this, but this is really the only solution that I could find, 
in the last day and a half that I've been frantically packing up all of my shit and just seeing where I can put it and where I can live and how I can transport it there is get a guy from the strip club to come over, pack up my stuff in his moving truck, drive it to another dude's house from the strip club, put it in storage, and then drive me to my Airbnb with my few bags that I actually have that I need for the next month and a half. So it's going to be really fucking awkward. I'm guessing. I mean, I don't see how it couldn't be. And to be honest, I wasn't even really going to record anything until I get to the new apartment because I don't even really know what I want the structure of this episode to be. I've been feeling very like flailing and homeless lately. Not to use that word in an overdramatic way because like I have places to stay. I'm I'm not homeless, homeless. But there's just a sense of homelessness that I've been feeling. And unfortunately, I can't even, I feel like I'm very honest on this thing, but there's even stuff that I can't even really fully get into. Hopefully one day I'll be able to tell the full, full, full story. But just for like, if you know me, you know probably what I'm alluding to, but I just can't get into all of the shit. But it's it's been kind of a stressful time not knowing if I should stay in Atlanta or if I should go back home or if I should just not know not really knowing where feels like the most right place to be at this time um and obviously with covid and stuff it hasn't made it any better because in canada now uh they have banned all unvaccinated people from being on airplanes they basically can't do anything if you're unvaccinated um and regardless of what you think of the vaccine or not like i'm just not really trying to do all of that uh to go back to canada so Anyway, I feel like I'm rambling and I'm sorry about that, but it's been a little bit of a stressful time and I really thought that when I got back from Jersey, first of all, I was begging to come back. I didn't even mean to stay away from Atlanta for that long. Like I said in the last episode, going to Miami was kind of like a freak accident and then I ended up having to go back and pick up my computer and stuff like that. But I wanted to just give you guys a quick update on this current moment. I don't like moving. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of feeling honestly, and this is truly how I feel lately, like every apartment that I move into is kind of like a long-term hotel. Like every rental is like a long-term hotel because eventually you're going to have to fucking leave and hopefully you get your deposit back. Hopefully they don't find any damages. You know, there is no sense of ownership. It's like it's all fake. And I remember when that guy came over who I talked about in the first few episodes who rejected me, the famous dude. And I remember he said like, oh, your place is so nice. You know, you must be doing well, whatever. And, And I was just like, no, it's all fake. And he didn't really laugh. I don't think he understood what I was saying. But it's true. Like all of this shit. I mean, it's not fake in the sense that it's kind of yours for the six months or a year that you signed the lease. But at the same time, you know that it's going to end. And when it ends, the only thing you'll have to show for it are the memories that you had while you were living here. And hopefully they were good memories and hopefully you use the space to its full potential. But when it's done, you don't get to carry anything with you. You don't get to put any extra money in your pocket. Money just comes out of your pocket every month. Like, I'm so sick of this feeling of like just temporary home. I really, really would love to be able to have something more stable. So part of me is thinking like for the next month and a half while I'm staying in an Airbnb, that was pretty cheap. And I just pray that it's like safe and that 
it's, you know, not anything. There's just, there's no problems with the host. There's just easy and I can just do my thing and not really be there that much. Um, Part of me is like, maybe I should just run it up work-wise and then, you know, try to buy something. I mean, that also is a terrifying proposition because then there's there's so much responsibility that comes with that and I mean I'm somebody that doesn't even like a year-long lease I hate a year lease I hate signing a year lease and then getting to the space and realizing it's not exactly what you wanted and now you're just stuck like even with this place that I moved to which was in a really nice area I can tell you guys now because I don't live here anymore well in three hours I won't live here anymore it was beside the same Regis in Atlanta it was very felt very like ritzy and you know luxurious in a way even when I got here I thought I was gonna love it so much and I thought it was just gonna be like this kind of expensive motivator to make me want to work harder but then you get here and it's like okay half the light bulbs don't work half of the outlets don't work the elevator doesn't work down to go downstairs like and this is all these are all petty things but Sometimes small things about a place add up to change how you feel about her. They change the energy of the space. And if you're paying whatever you're paying and you're, you signed a contract to agree to pay that every month for a while, it gets frustrating. And I just wish that there were more options for people that didn't want to sign a fucking year lease. But also, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just, I guess I'm rambling, but I hate a year lease. Truly, I do. But at this point right now, having another year lease that I could sign would offer a lot of comfort. So I guess we'll see. I did like kind of panic and send out a text to a few people that I know asking if they could be my lease guarantor or co-signer um, who I know have like, you know, that kind of money that they would get approved for an apartment without a, without a problem. And uh, most of them did not reply to me. So that wasn't great. But... Let me stop just sort of rambling. I just wanted to give you guys an update on this really weird situation uh, and really stressful situation because truly I did not know that I was going to be moving in two days. And as much as I could have re-signed this lease and stayed and been paying, you know, $2,700 a month plus bills and utilities and all that, I do feel like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders and I'm praying that I made the right decision and it's all going to work out. But you know in those in-between moments where you just sort of take that jump and you just kind of take the chance and hope that you made the right choice? And it's very uncomfortable and it's very... There's just a lot of uncertainty with it. To be completely honest, last night it was like 5 p.m. and I had been packing all day and I was just having so much fucking anxiety. I was like, I need to... I need a drink or something. So I just like had some fucking tequila and then some wine and I was like, all right, I guess I feel a little bit better and passed out. And I know that's not the healthiest coping mechanism, but these times when you're in situations like this where it's just very transitory, which is really what life is. Life is just a bunch of transitions. And then a few, a few times you get a moment where you're like, huh, I'm comfortable. But really, it's just a bunch of transitions from my experience. You have to learn how to get comfortable with these feelings, with these like feelings of complete and total discomfort. But at the same time, it is very stressful and it is very uncomfortable and especially when you could not mentally prepare yourself because you didn't know that it was coming. I really came back with every intention to just stay here and renew my lease and not have to deal with any of the bullshit of moving and getting approved for a new apartment. So I say all that to say 
I'm happy to be home even though I don't really know where that is currently at all. But I'm going to give you guys an update when I get to my Airbnb and finish the rest of this episode. So for now, let me get out of this dark closet because it truly is dark. There is absolutely no power in my apartment. And actually, for a couple hours earlier, there was this weird alarm that kept going off in my closet And I was just thinking like, shit, now am I going to get in trouble because I called Georgia Power to turn off my power like I thought I was going to do? Are they going to charge me some extra fee because they already told me they had to charge all these other fees for moving out? And then if I leave anything in the apartment, there's a garbage fee and there's this fee and there's that fee. And I just started stressing out more again. So we'll see what happens. I just pray that it's going to be okay. I'll update you guys when I get to the new spot. Peace. Okay, guys. So I officially made it to my new temporary Airbnb home. I'm here. It is Sunday. I've been here for about two days now. To be honest, it's really out of the way of everything that I kind of like to do or people I like to see or just places I need to go. It is very out of the way. All of the houses around here look like they're haunted. There's not a lot going on. So because I don't drive, I haven't really left the neighborhood that much because every time I leave, it's like a $30 Uber to really get anywhere. So I probably should have like planned this better. And at least it's close to the club. So I mean, that'll be easy to get to and from if I ever fucking go back there I haven't been there in a few weeks and we're gonna touch on all of that but I wanted to give it a few days just to settle and see how it felt and also so that my Airbnb host didn't like just hear me yelling from my closet as the first thing that he heard me do or his first introduction to me I didn't want him to think I was completely insane but now it's happening regardless so I don't know uh, who else is in this house. There's, It's like one of those Airbnbs where there's multiple rooms and, you know, different people rent out different rooms. I haven't met anyone else that's here except the host. And it's fine. I mean, there's some things that I don't love, but maybe that's a me problem more than it's a this problem. I think I'm realizing I'm just one of those people potentially that will always find a flaw in almost anything. So give me about two minutes and any thing in the world and I'll, I'll figure out something to not like about it it's something I'm working on but aside from the fact that all of the houses on this street and the surrounding streets look like they're haunted you know it's like the windows don't open there's just little things where it's like it's not great it's not great and truth be told I didn't actually think I was going to be spending as much time here as I already have we'll see if that prediction actually ends up coming true I don't think that it will I have a bad feeling that I'm actually going to be spending more time here than I had anticipated and the reason I didn't think I was going to be spending that much time here is because initially well when I first got to Atlanta like six months ago now and I was staying in an Airbnb in East Atlanta it was like 
a really shitty Airbnb, to be completely honest, because like I've said before on previous episodes, I really didn't have any money at all. And I didn't even, I haven't gone into what the Airbnb was just because like, it's still kind of embarrassing, but it was a shared room. Uh, I was sleeping on a blow up mattress. There was usually someone else sleeping on the couch. And then there were a couple other people with private rooms that would come and go. It was the type of place where like, Usually the other person in the shared room was somebody who liked to either talk to themselves or liked to ask me too many questions about being a stripper or just like where I came from or whatever. And it was just kind of a sketchy vibe, especially because at that point I was dealing with like, you know, not a lot of cash, but a little bit of cash as I started working. So I was like shoving the money under the air mattress, trying to just be really inconspicuous And the person that I started to date when I got down here was nice enough to let me stay at his place, which it was a really nice apartment in Buckhead. It was just secure and I liked being with him. And fast forward to now, I'm still seeing this person and I was hoping that because I'm in kind of a similar situation, I mean, obviously it's different, but Once again, I have found myself at an Airbnb that I don't love. I was hoping that he would put two and two together and let me kind of unofficially stay at his place or at least offer something. And I was wrong. Uh, I was very wrong. He has not offered anything. And instead, it's actually been really hard to even get him to reply To most of my text messages, it's kind of a situation where, like, I'll text him and maybe he replies and then he'll call me at four in the morning seeing if I want to come over, which is just sad and usually I'm sleeping anyways and then I just feel like a last resort type of thing. And I know... I don't even really want to touch on it too much because there's a difference, I think, between speaking on situations in the past and telling them as stories and then live documenting things that are actively happening to you. I feel like you have a shittier, you have a, you have less of a perspective. You're able to have less of a perspective when speaking on the things that are happening in the moment. But when there's some time that passes between the shitty thing and you, it's easier to have a better perspective. And it's just, there's some distance there, you know, and who you're speaking about might not even exactly know that you're talking about them, or they probably won't feel as like attacked or just, there's some kind of dangerous feeling that comes from speaking on things in the moment as they're happening. And to be honest, beyond just hoping that I could use this Airbnb as like a storage facility more than somewhere to actually live and just hoping to stay with him instead, The whole being ignored thing, it feels really bad to the point where yesterday I sent him a text saying, and I'm going to read this, even though it's embarrassing, but I think that maybe there's a bigger point to be made here. So I said this, just please stop treating me like your last option. I don't think that's asking for that much. And... He did not reply. And let me tell you, when you start begging someone to treat you with, like, basic dignity and respect, it shouldn't have to be said, but it's over. And I really hate to say it because I actually don't want it to be over with this person. 
because I still feel more comfortable and more at home with him than I do really anywhere else or with anyone else here in Atlanta. Maybe because he was one of the first people that I met here. But I think that's the truth. When you start begging someone to treat you right, you are losing. Like, it fucking sucks. And yeah, it sucks. And now I'm like getting sad. (laughs) See, this is why I didn't even want to record this episode today, but it's okay. It's been a week of crying, but that's okay. It's going to get better. (laughs) But I feel like I probably should have realized this sooner because he actually moved recently too. And even though he has like his whole family here and everything, I still offered to help him move. And he took me up on my offer and I came over and I helped him pack and I did his laundry. And I mean, like, and it's almost funny, like, how sad and desperate do you have to be for just anything to, like, literally be sorting through a dude's dirty underwear and folding his socks when, like, he isn't even your boyfriend. I know that there's other women who have found themselves in those situations, maybe because, you know, guys will make fun of it and be like, oh, you're trying to prove that you're wifey when you're not or whatever. But and maybe there's part that's part of it. But you're still doing it, I think, from a good place, hoping that that energy will come back to you. And when it doesn't, it sucks. Because like when I was moving this week, did he offer to help me? No. Did he offer to do anything? Did he offer to drive me anywhere like I needed to? No. Uh, which is why I ended up having to call two dudes from the strip club to come and help me, like I mentioned earlier. And that actually ended up not being that bad. They were both really nice. And I just kind of, when we had to go to the one dude's place to drop off the stuff, I just sort of got in and out as quickly as possible. And I, I just, I felt bad, but it was one of those situations where like, I really didn't have any other options. And I think they understood what it was. And I think they just kind of saw me as like this, like broken, I don't know, lost bird that, you know, if they can offer up their basement or their moving truck to help, then they don't care that much. So it actually ended up being okay, thankfully. And I'm very, actually very grateful to that. The point is that the whole begging someone to treat you like a person is not a good situation to find yourself in. And I do have a feeling that part of the reason why he treats me like this is because he knows I'm a stripper. And before he knew I was a stripper, when I first got here, before I even was one, he was never this cold. He was never so almost arrogant at the idea that I would always come back around. He just never could have possibly treated me like this. I mean, he put my name on his lease and let me stay at his place when he wasn't even in the city. And so maybe now that he knows what I do, he feels like he can't take me seriously or he doesn't want to take me seriously. I don't know. I know that people always talk about that it's harder to find relationships when you're a dancer And it's absolutely true as much as I really, 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 really wish it was not because work is work and the people that you see outside of it are the people you see outside of it. It's two different things and you're still the same person, I would like to think. 
And the ironic part is that I really haven't even been working recently. I haven't been to the club in almost a month. Part of that is because I have been consciously trying to slow down and take a little bit more accountability for my own just toxic behaviors. The fact that I work at the strip club and just wanting to be an all-around better person who has their shit together more and not just viewed as someone who's at the club every day. Also because I had been traveling. Also because it's been kind of hard to find... The motivation to work when I've been dealing with this other stuff this week, you know, moving and my lease and all of that stuff. But I guess I just wanted to find a little bit of distance from the club because I have seen girls just get sucked in to the point where they're there every day and they're not even making money necessarily every day. I really always want to be the type of person where like when I go there, I'm clear headed and I'm ready to work and I'm there to make money and run it up. And not every day is going to be a great day, but to always walk in there with that intention, not the intention of like, oh, well, we'll see what happens. I don't have anything else to do. I want to have other shit to do. I don't want that to be everything. And there is the fact deep down that I do feel like being known as a dancer now has sabotaged some of my relationships that I value. It just makes people look at you differently. I know that's not news. But I think when you enter into this type of stuff, whether it's stripping or OnlyFans, whatever, you always want to think that you're going to be the exception, that people will still look at you with the same level of respect or the same level of just care that they used to have for you. And when you notice that that changes for whatever reason, it's it hurts. And maybe finding some distance from the club, I thought that finding some distance from it would make some of that kind of hurt go away but it hasn't really and it's I mean it hasn't fixed anything it hasn't fixed anything except I've been making less money I haven't been making any money because I haven't been working there's also the fact that my bank actually flagged me for depositing cash they sent me these new tax forms to fill out and they just mailed me all this stuff and I just so it hasn't really wanted like it hasn't it just hasn't motivated me to want to work if even when I make money I can't I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna do with it and now and this is depressing and it's ridiculous but aside from the fact that my bank already flagged me and you guys have probably heard of this now, the IRS wants banks to report any amount of money that's over $600 that goes into a bank account. Meanwhile, like, Jeff Bezos literally isn't even paying taxes. So, I don't know why this seems like a good idea to anyone. I think the amount of people you would even need to track all transactions over $600 in the U.S. seems absurd, just that manpower alone to actually do that. And they say that this is mostly to control tax evasion, which sounds like bullshit because there's a lot of very wealthy people that don't pay taxes or have all their money stored in tax havens and offshore accounts. And if you really wanted to control tax evasion, I think cracking down on those things, those loopholes might be a better option. They don't want to crack down on those things. They want the wealthy to retain all of their power. It's not really about controlling tax evasion. It's about controlling you. It's about controlling people like me. Like, it is about control of people that barely have any power as it is. 
So that reason is bullshit. And then the other reason that they gave to allegedly want to be controlling every transaction over $600 is cryptocurrency. And I have avoided talking about cryptocurrency on this podcast, mainly because I think that most of the talking points about crypto are very boring and they're very repetitive. Like everyone just has some alt shit coin that they're shilling, telling everyone to buy and it's going to make everyone rich and whatever. And as much as I've made a little bit of money off of crypto, there's so much of it that just feels like a scam. And I don't know if that's because everyone is just always buying into some new shit coin or the fact that even with Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever feels almost too good to be true. This idea that you just put money in a thing, some invisible blockchain thing, I don't know, I'm not a fucking crypto expert, and that it just multiplies and multiplies and multiplies and continues to make your money. It almost feels inevitable that the government was going to come and take your net gains for themselves. And it's terrible because the whole point of crypto is, from my understanding to evade the government. Like, it's so that you can actually work around fiat currency, aka the government's approved currency. Biden is not supposed to take our Dogecoins. He's supposed to leave them alone. That is the point of this. If we wanted them to take our money, we would still be dealing with dollars. The point of crypto is to be left alone, to be untraceable. And not only is it terrible for that reason, but I know a lot of young people that were not, de- we were not dealt the same deck of cards that our boomer parents who bought houses for $20,000 and inherited like a perfect planet as they proceeded to destroy it for their children and generations to come. We were not dealt that same deck of cards. Yes, we have our own privileges living in 2021, I guess, and there's technology is amazing and healthcare is better and Of course, there are privileges that every generation was born with, but I know a lot of people in their late 20s, early 30s that we have, we've, we graduated, a lot of us graduated at the time around 2008 and we're looking for jobs around then, which was impossible to find, but we've lived with huge amounts of inflation. We've lived through a global pandemic that decimated the economy and also destroyed a lot of jobs. We are entering a housing market where houses, I mean, where I'm from in Vancouver, BC, you can't even buy a shack for a million dollars. Everything is much more expensive than it was and wages have not necessarily kept up at all. And crypto was one of the first things I felt for a while that actually allowed people to make money and level the playing field a little bit. I know a lot of people who have been able to make money off of this and it's amazing. It's great. And it's sad that we can't just let people have their the little wins that they have figured out how to have. Even if those wins include having to listen to douchebag crypto bros talk about altcoins And maybe there is some silver lining to the fact that there will now be more control over this whole industry. Like, as much as I know people who've made money, I also know a lot of people who have been coerced and kind of scammed into buying coins that lost them a shit ton of money. And you can say that that's their own fault for not doing their own research. 
which would be partially true. But at the same time, like, it is kind of the Wild West of just, you don't really, I don't think most people, even the people telling you to buy certain types of cryptocurrencies, really understand what's going on. And it's sad to see when people do lose money in these things, as much as you might want to just blame them. Like, I knew a guy who I met, who I'm going to tell a story about him one of these days because he was a really interesting character. I just really feel like he's in the mob or something and I don't want him to sound like a hitman after me after I say anything about him. But suffice it to say that he lived in Houston. I met him weirdly, randomly. He was some millionaire, billionaire, high roller, Houston old man. And he would make me listen to group calls that he had with these crypto investor guys from around the U.S. and in the Bahamas and all these places as they were plotting to buy some altcoin that was going to make all of them hundreds of millions of dollars. They were going to and he would make me listen to these calls because he wanted me to learn about what they were doing and just have a peek kind of behind the curtain. And it was super, super, super interesting I haven't spoken to this man in a long time. I don't really know what the fuck happened. But the last time I checked, he was down like millions of dollars. This coin that he had been told to buy did not perform the way that he had been promised it would. And same goes for all the other rich dudes that bought into the coin. Obviously, you can blame that on personal negligence. But at the same time, when people end up losing a shit ton of money in an industry that's extremely unregulated, there is some feeling of just scamminess that comes from it. And I had a situation recently, well, earlier this year, where, and I feel like a fucking retard for even letting this happen to me, truly. I don't know what I was thinking. And I think this is really my problem and maybe the overarching message of this whole show. But when I like someone, when I like a guy... I don't know what goes on in my brain and why it just stops working and stops thinking rationally. But I've really liked this guy in the beginning of this year, this person who I was dating, and he was really big into crypto. And he would always tell me to invest in this and do that. And at the time, I was home a lot. I wasn't dancing. I wasn't doing any of that. I was vaguely like in an embarrassing way into like Wall Street bets and being trading stuff on the stock market. And I was dabbling in crypto, but I I quickly realized it wasn't really for me, but he would always talk about it and show me how much money he was making. And so because I trusted him and because I felt like we were potentially going down the road of really being in some kind of serious relationship, I mean, we were like... Here's the thing, and not to be too explicit, I'm sorry if this is too explicit, but when you're fucking someone raw, yeah, here, I'm going here, so just, I'm sorry, go with me or, or go away. When you're fucking someone raw and you're letting them do everything, like risking pregnancy on a regular basis, roll in the fucking dice because I don't know, like, I don't know, I don't know. I felt like I really trusted him and I felt like we had some kind of real connection. When he told me to just transfer him money so he could trade crypto for me, I was, I was so happy to do that. I was like, that's amazing. Like, that's perfect. So I sent him not a lot of money. I sent him $2,100 
2000 for trading and like $100 in fees and stuff like that because he said there was all those fees when you're opening a new wallet and all this and that. So I sent $2,100 and he told me that in the next two to three months, it would be at least 10000 probably more, probably around 50000 but at least ten. So of course I was excited maybe a little hesitant because I know you can't just flip $2,000 into $10,000 overnight and also the taxes that come with that and transferring money from different hands and all of that. I knew that there might be some issues we would run into, but I did not, I swear, think that the issue would be that I would never get my money back and that this man would stop responding to my texts and my DMs. And it's so embarrassing that I literally fell for this thing. Like, truly, I thought that this guy actually liked me. It seemed, I guess, like, I don't, I'm not even going to justify it. It's very embarrassing. But it's been seven or eight months now, maybe longer. And I have not seen a penny of the money I gave him. Never mind my $10,000 or $50,000 return. And I also now have not been able to get a message back from him for a few weeks. At first, he told me that he replied a few weeks ago and he said that, oh, I can't even. Pretty much he couldn't pay me back right now. But now there's no answer. And you know what? If I just have to lose another $2,000 and just charge that shit to the game, at the end of the day, like... I guess that's just comes with the territory of being retarded, which is what I'm living with, apparently. But also, it's frustrating because I $2,000 is still a lot of money to me. I'm literally staying at a shitty Airbnb right now to save $2,000 or like whatever. I mean, more than $2,000, but to save money, if I wanted to just be blowing $2,000 here and there, I wouldn't... Like, that's not the goal. I'm not just trying to give money to people who don't even respond to my text messages. And so ever since then, my little crypto scammy boyfriend, I have had kind of a bad taste in my mouth about the whole crypto thing. Even though since then, I actually still have made some money. I bought a coin. I forgot that I bought it, but I checked it recently and I just made like $2,200 off of this thing called One Harmony. So I guess maybe that makes up for the fact that I also lost $2,000. I don't know. But I hope if you are trading crypto or listening to other people's opinions about crypto, you're being careful. I think that Either Biden is going to come crack down on it and take half of your profits or you're going to run into a scammy crypto bro who, I don't know, look out for them. They usually love like fucking gallery department and all of the other things that are not necessarily bad. They're just overdone. You know, they have an aura of try hard overdoneness to them. Look out for them, please. And I don't say all of that to not take any accountability and just deflect absolutely everything. I really do want to take some accountability here as we end this, both for falling for the fucking crypto scam, for my failing relationships, for once again ending up at a shitty Airbnb. I had a friend tell me recently that you don't get what you deserve, you get what you negotiate. And really anything that happens to you after the age of 30 is a direct reflection of your actions.
it's no one else's fault, as much as and as tempting as it might be to deflect it onto them. And I'm getting dangerously close to that 30 line. Even though I know that that number is kind of arbitrary, the point is, as you get older, you need to start taking some fucking accountability, no matter the situation that life has put you in, no matter the deck of cards that you've been dealt. So that is something I'm working on. But I will say this. Please let people keep their $600. Truly, I hope this bill doesn't get passed. I mean, like... What kind of a broke bitch does the government have to be if they're trying to take away our $600? Truly.